This is messed up. All right, that's the way I felt when I was reading through this week's passage and next week's passage. They're all one big story, but it's too much to do in a week and maybe too little to do. So, you know, we may be out of here in 10 minutes. I don't know, all right? Everybody be like, woohoo. All right, but, but I want you to start with the understanding that what I'm about to read to you is messed up. Like, this is messed up. Why, why, why does this go the way that it goes? Why does this play out the way that it plays out? And here's what you're going to have a tendency to do. You're going to have a tendency to be offended by what the characters in the scripture are doing, right? You're going to tend to be like, how dare they? Let me caution you up front to be careful. Because as you, how dare they, the scripture in the spirit is going to be saying, how dare ye, okay? As you feel, how dare they, dare I say, how dare ye? Now, here's what has gone on. We're moving into the final couple of chapters in the book of Luke. We are walking through a gospel. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John are the gospels. And as we have walked through that, we are looking through the life of Jesus, his birth, his ministry, his calling of his disciples, the ups and the downs of everything that happened. And now we're moving through his uh, arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. Okay, that's what we will be going through for the next four to five weeks. <laughs> now, Jesus has pulled his disciples together and sat at the dinner table with them. They have taken a meal together. They have gone through what they call the Last Supper. They have gone out of the Last Supper after Jesus has washed their feet, after he has shared his body, after he has shared his blood with them. And they have gone to the garden where he asked them to pray. And they have fallen asleep as he begged God begged God to do this another way. He did so because he knew what was coming and we are coming into what was coming, right? And he said, not my will. Again, not my will. Again, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Then he stood, the disciples began to move forward. Judas came with hundreds, maybe even thousands of soldiers, right? A legion of soldiers. And in general, in the New Testament, that meant up to 2,000 people. They brought to take a man with no weapons, bathrobe, pair of flip-flops, you know, Birkenstocks and, a to Birkenstocks and a toga, you know, and they're all there. And he speaks and they all fall before him. He holds his hands out and they arrest him and they take him away. And here's what's happened. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him, blindfolded him and demanded, prophesy, who is it that hit you? And they said other insulting things to him at daybreak. The council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Let me say that again. You should have heard that over and over again throughout Luke. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were muttering. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were trying to trick him. The chief priests and the teachers of the law asked him where he got healed, where he was. 
all through the scripture when Jesus does something great. There's the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Who does he think he is? Why does he eat with those people? Why did he go with Zacchaeus over and over again? And now the chief priests and the teachers of the law met together and Jesus was led before him. Remember last week we said, hey, your hour is now. Remember Jesus looked at his enemies in the eye and said, okay, take your turn. This is your moment. You're going you're gonna to get this particular battle. And boy, they, they take advantage of it. If you are the Messiah, hear the word if, they said, tell us. Okay? Now, they're trying to figure out how to get the church, how to get the spiritual leadership of the community to find a basis for accusing him. They need him to be guilty of something. And the only thing that they can come up with is blasphemy. You're a human, you bleed, you talk, you walk among us. You're from Galilee for crying out loud. You're the son of a carpenter. Are you this Messiah that everything we've memorized has told us about? Tell us if you are. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you're not going to believe me. And if I ask you, you would not answer. Now, this line is a response to what normally happens in a court case, okay? The accused is read the charges, right? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus basically goes, would it matter? what I said and they always get to ask questions they get to say why am I here what is your basis for accusing me and Jesus says if I asked any questions at all are you going to answer correctly I've asked you questions for the last three years over and over again and every time I question you you turn and walk away am I are my questions going to be answered today? But from now on, there will be a moment beyond this moment. The Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the Almighty God. He never says who he is. He simply makes a claim. Whomever is the Son of Man, right? will sit on the right hand of God. A representation of those who are on the right and the left hand of the throne are those who have been promoted to a place where they can judge the people, right? So in the king's court, those who confer with him are, are giving him the mandate whether or not someone can be judged. So I sit before you now, but beyond now, I, there will be someone who sits and judges you. And that someone is the Son of Man. So again, he alludes to the fact that there will be one who will sit at the right hand of God, but he never says it's him. We know, but he doesn't say it. He chooses his words carefully. And then they said, well, are you the Son of God? And he replied, you're saying that I am. 
I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have sent a legion after me. You wouldn't have asked them to come and arrest me if you didn't think there was something to my claim. You wouldn't be scared of me if there wasn't a reason to be scared. You wouldn't be trying me if you didn't have a reason to try me. Are you the son of God? Well, with everything that's going on here, it sure looks like it. It looks like you believe I'm something. I love this moment. He never, he never answers their questions directly. He never testifies against himself. He doesn't. This is messed up. And next week it gets more messed up. They actually say next week, he's not guilty. Not once, not twice, but thrice. Then they said, well, why do we need any more testimony? They jump. Hey, are you the son of God? Well, you say I am. Aha! Did you hear it? I heard it. Did you hear it? I asked if he was, and he said, well, we say he is, so he must be. We've got him now. Let's just go with that. That's exactly what happens. Aha! Some of you caught that reference. That's exactly what happens. They go, there it is. That's all we need. It's close enough to give us what we want. Do you hear it? Just messed up enough. Just twisted enough to get what we want. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. Now, there's more that goes on with the leadership, but we're going to stop there, okay? There are two reasons. Give me just a second. Can you go back to the beginning? It's not, the touch is not working for me, Jim. Can you go back to the first verse, the men who were guarding? There it is. All right. There are two reasons that people put Jesus on trial. Two reasons here and two reasons for us. One, pleasure. We put Jesus on trial for pleasure, for our own arising, for our own enjoyment, for our own fun. Okay, here's what happened um, that night. They led him away, but Jewish law said that they couldn't try him at night. You're not allowed to hold a trial at night. So they had to wait until the next morning. So you've got all of these guys that have been assigned to Jesus. And we don't know whether they were bored. We don't know if they were angry. We don't know if they were just jerks. What we do know is they decided they were gonna have a little fun with the prisoner, all right? And for us, it's not just a prisoner. For us, it's the son of God, all right? Jesus himself is in a prison cell in a in a tightly locked up room and they've got several soldiers in there guarding him. Again, no weapons, again, no nothing, but they've got all of these people in there guarding him. And they just, one of the guys finally walks up and goes and hits him upside his face. Jesus just sits there and takes it. And the guys laugh, that's pretty cool. Another guy gets up, slaps him on the other side. Man, this is fun. Hey, 
Hey, prophet, how you doing? How's it feel? How's that power going? Who's the powerful one now? And pretty soon they get high. They get, they get, they get lustful for the authority that they have. For this, there's people that came to town just, just in the last week. Hundreds of thousands of people came into town to see this guy. Now he's nothing. And we're slapping him around. Pretty soon they start using their fists, all right? And then they're like, ha, prophet, nothing. Watch this. They blindfold him and then swing and take shots at him, blood and spit fly up against the wall and they get right up in his ear and they say, well, Mr. Prophet, which one of us was that smarty pants? And they start to feel really good about themselves. Does that, does that make anybody mad? Does that upset you at all? That your Jesus, your Lord, the guy we sing about is being pushed around? They probably played a game with him. They started to spit in his face. Hey, let's see if you can get the closest to his eyes. Let's see if you can get the closest to his mouth. That's even more gross. And they spit in his face. Who did that? Come on, prophet, who did that? See, here's the thing. When you start to want, when you start to get hungry, when you start to have desires, when you start to want control of your own life, you and I, we do the same thing. We start to make excuses for everything that is right in the name of what we want. Let me say that again. We make excuses for what is right in the name of what we want. Our pursuit of pleasure becomes more powerful than our relationship with Jesus, than our understanding of who he is. And it doesn't, in men's ministry, we've been talking about this, it doesn't happen Overnight, it doesn't happen in a moment. It's a slow fade. It's fine, it's fine, I don't have a problem. I'll have just one drink. And pretty soon, I'll have just one drink before dinner. And then I'll have just one drink before dinner and with dinner. And then I'll have one drink before dinner, with dinner, and after dinner. And now I'm having three drinks a day. And pretty soon, I'm having five drinks a day. And what has gone from everything is okay is now I am living a life in a place where I don't have control of my own emotions. But you know what? It's okay because I'm in my house. Okay, so is it okay or is it not okay? Are you compromising Jesus or are you not compromising Jesus? Don't worry, I just looked at her, I didn't touch her. Don't worry, I just hugged her, I didn't feel her up. Don't worry, we didn't really do anything, it was just a kiss. Don't worry, as long as nobody finds out, it's okay. God didn't really say, don't have sex before you get married. One of my favorite lines of teenagers and young adults. Hey, 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 it's cool. You test drive your car before you buy it, don't you? You know what that is? That's you compromising what is right and what is wrong. That is you sitting in Jesus's face and trying to bargain with him. You want me to be happy. Well, yes, I, I want you to have joy. And you don't want me to be divorced. Yes, I don't want you to be divorced. Then you want me to make sure that I like what I'm marrying, don't you? Mm, you twisted that. You twisted that. 
And you didn't twist it because you wanted anything to do with how long your marriage was going to last. You twisted it because you're thinking with your loins and not with your life. You twisted it because you want something and you want me to be okay with it. You have already made the call. Don't you hear yourself? You're exactly what the Pharisees and teachers of the law are. Would it matter what I said? You and I put Jesus on trial every day. We put Jesus on trial because we want control of our own lives. We want to compromise what he says. Well, Craig, I don't put Jesus on trial. Yes, you do. If Jesus says thou shalt not, and you make a defense, you make an argument, you make a statement about what you shall, then you are saying, hey, Jesus, in this particular instance, you are wrong. In this particular instance, you are a liar. The problem is Jesus has never been wrong, ever. Even when you did what you wanted and it worked out, Jesus was still not wrong because there will come a day when the Son of Man stands in judgment and you are worried about now and God is worried about forever. You were not made for this world. This is not your home. So we make decisions based on our pleasure, but you also make decisions based on power. You also make decisions based on power. The guys in the prison, they just wanted to be stronger. They just wanted to look good. They just wanted to have some fun at the expense of someone else at their friends. This is the apex of why middle school and high school are so difficult. And even now, being an adult sometimes is difficult. Bullying runs rampant. And we do it because if I say something and somebody else laughs, then at least I have somebody on my team. And pretty soon, swinging and taking shots at somebody it's not about that somebody. It's about the collective group getting their jollies out of something else. Pleasure. I feel good about me right now. Doesn't matter how I feel in the morning. And then power. At daybreak, the council of elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Messiah, if you are the Messiah, tell us. Jesus said, if I tell you, you won't believe me anyway. You ever feel like when you're in a situation and you cry out to Jesus, he looks at you and says, does it matter? Hey, me and my girlfriend, we're, we're really, 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 we're, we, we love each other. Okay. So I wanted to ask you if you thought it was okay, because if we love each other, does it, does it really matter what I say? If I told you it were wrong, would you come up with an excuse that it were right? Would you give me some line about driving a car? How many times have you already made up your mind before you even include Jesus? How many times have you just decided you didn't want to ask because you knew what he would say? You put your Jesus on trial every day. And you've already made up your mind. you know what Jesus would say? That's messed up. That's messed up. You know what was even worse? 
As messed up as all this was, he's getting punched in the face. He's getting spit on. He's getting mocked. He's getting beat. He's getting insulted. He's going to be dragged out in front of the people at night when you can't have any trials at night. You, you know what? Let, you know how messed up this really is? Check this out. This is from the Jewish laws, how a trial should be held. Listen close. No criminal trial could be started at night. The Jewish council could not initiate a charge. The charge had to come to the council and then they would investigate the charge. They're the ones that made the claim. But they could only consider charges brought by an outside party. No outside party was involved. The initial proceedings take place at the high priest's home. That's not legal. They had to take place at the temple. The defendant was supposed to be presumed intimate, innocent, and still prove, yes, Jesus, we need you to be intimate. It's part of the trial, your intimacy. All right, innocent until proven guilty. He could not be convicted on the basis of his own testimony. This is in Jewish law. They had to affirm the testimony was true uh, from direct experience, not hearsay or presumption. They had to identify the precise time and the location of the event that was being testified about. False witnesses were subject to the same penalty as the accused if they lied about it. In capital cases, the death sentence could not be carried out until the third day after it was given. Jesus was tried, brought in, tried, and sent to the cross within 24 hours. The members of the council were to fast long enough to make a decision. This meant that the trial couldn't be convened during any feast like the Passover, which is where we are. A pronouncement of guilt by the high priest was contrary to normal order, which should have started with the least senior members. It needs to move up the chain and not start at the top. If the council voted unanimously for a conviction, the accused was set free because the necessary element of mercy was presumed to be lacking. Thus, from start to finish, the Jewish council's trial of Jesus was a mockery of justice, a violation of their own laws. And listen to me. Every time you call yourself a believer and then choose to sin, you make a mockery of the one who died for you. You make a mockery of the words he gave to you. You make a mockery of who he is. Because wearing his name means you represent him. And with every excuse and every defense you throw out in the name of sin, you are the, pardon me, anti-Christ. The opposite of who he is. And here is his response. You will have your day. Sorry. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. You know what Jesus is going to do at the dinner table, in the back seat of the car, while you're sitting in front of your computer looking, 
while you're thinking about things that aren't with your spouse, Jesus is going to remind you of what is right and what is wrong. And he's going to allow you to put his word on trial. And guess what? He's going to allow you to choose. He's not going to drag you to the correct side. He's going to allow you to choose. And then he's going to say, but understand this. The son of man will be seated at the right hand of God. Today, you are the judge. You are the jury. Tomorrow, I am the judge. I am the jury. By me, you are either condemned or set free. It's messed up. Church, from the very beginning, Jesus' trial wasn't a trial at all. What we're going to go through over the next week isn't right. It's not right. So the real question is, why did he do it? Why did he do it? Why did he let them keep on smacking him? Why did he let them keep on spitting? Why did he walk in front of the, the Sanhedrin? Why did he walk in front of the teachers of the law and of the Pharisees? Why did he not defend himself? And the answer is, because he knew they were stupid. The answer is because he knew they'd fail. The answer is because they knew they'd mock him. The answer is because he knew they'd kill him. The answer is because he knew you'd fail. The answer is because he knew you'd make a mockery. The answer is because he knew you'd fall. And the truth is he went anyway. Why did he not punch back? so that those who don't understand life can have life anyway. Because those who throw stones don't get stoned anyway. Because those who ought to be condemned to die don't have to anymore. All throughout his trial, he lived what he would say on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Their story is your story. Their story is my story. We put Jesus on trial every day. Isn't that what he asks us to do, though? Think about this. Test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Isn't, that, isn't a trial a test? Isn't it a test of the truth or not the truth? Doesn't he ask you to put what he asks out in front of you and then you can follow me or you can not follow me? And what do we do? We applaud ourselves for the six days we follow him and then we ignore the day we let it go. Oh, it's fine. I don't have to give. I don't have to serve. I don't have to love. I don't have to talk about that. As long as nobody finds out, it's fine. If you're going 90 miles an hour and you don't get caught, are you speeding? We've perfected that, haven't we, church? We have perfected the art of radar detector Christianity. 
Everything is permissible as long as what? You don't get caught. If I don't get caught, did I sin? One last question before we close. Has there ever been a sin you've committed that Jesus didn't catch? One more time. Has there ever been a sin you've committed that Jesus didn't catch? Or has he caught everyone and just loved you enough not to make it public? That's messed up. It's all so beautiful. Let's pray. God, we are caught in the middle. We are caught in the middle of a, a, a section of sermons. We are caught in the middle of a horrific time. We are caught in the middle of a trial. We really, in our hearts, don't want to watch play out. We are caught <coughs> in the middle of wanting to cheer on our Savior and knowing we're the soldiers. We are caught in the middle of wanting to slap the, 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 the attorneys and the Pharisees and knowing that we are the Pharisees. God, we are stuck in this. But God, that is where you want us. You want us stuck here. You want us to watch you walk. You want us to see you talk. You want us to study your word. You want us to compare ourselves to those people. You want us to see that you will go forward, that not my will but yours be done means I knew everything was coming and I went anyway. I knew the choices you were gonna make, but I died anyway. I knew how you were gonna live your life, but I loved anyway. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Confess and repent, and I will give you life. God, help us comprehend, help us understand, help us articulate, help us chew on what is going on here and help us see you. God, help us put you on trial, but find you completely innocent as you've always been. Find you completely trustworthy as you've always been. Find you completely truthful as you've always been. God, next week as we move into Pilate, as we move into Herod, as we move into sacrifice, as we move into Barabbas, help us find you. In Jesus' name, amen.